That's orgasmic. You are joined by host Emily Duncan, and today I am joined with Vanessa Hook. Vanessa and I know each other from studying sexology together. Now, I do just need to state a trigger warning for today's episode. Vanessa and I are going to be discussing sexual assault and more specifically sex after sexual assault and the journey to feeling safe within your body again. So, welcome to That's Orgasmic. Hey, thanks for having me. Now I yeah I'm so excited as well I want to jump straight into the topic delve straight into it how common is sexual assault it is so common like this is insanely common and I think the more that we talk about it in our experiences then we realize how common it is and like I think that just emphasizes the reason why we need to talk about it so that we can realize it's like happening so it's like the New Zealand statistics that I use in my podcast about like um, sexual assault and sex education is like one in three women before the age of 16 and then one in five across their lifetime have experienced rape at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is insane. Um, I think the thing with like sexual assault too, as you said, like the more we talk about it, the more common we realize it is. But I think also the more educated we become on it, the more we realize when we look back on our lives, that that was sexual assault Mm -hmm. like I know there's experiences in my life that you kind of disregard or something might not feel right but it's not until you're given the language and the understanding of it that you realize that it fits within that category yeah I was reading something like last night just even and it was talking about how women often describe like sexual assault experiences in their life as like uh, miscommunications or gray areas because they don't want to put that label on it because it's like once you put that label on it then you have to deal with it and you don't want to deal with mm. it so you just pretend that it was like just you know some weird I thing. 100% resonate with that because I know like one of my experiences which is just jumping straight into the deep mm. end but yeah, I um, had somebody that I said no to I don't even know how many times would have been mm. like 10 to 20 times I just kept saying no like we can't do this and they kept pushing and pushing and like trying to you know make out with me and there would be moments we would make out and then I would stop and be like no we can't do this and they kept pushing and pushing and eventually they said do you want to use a condom and I just said yes and then we obviously had sex and as soon as it was done I got up and left because I was like what the fuck just happened but I 100% put that in a gray area because I did yeah. technically consent to like using obviously the condom and like that obviously for him was okay this is permission to have sex but then there was that 10 20 times before where I said yeah. no you always put it in this basket of like I felt this way at the beginning and then due to the pressure that was put against me I some at some point changed my like opinion on it but it's like you didn't actually provide consent you just had no defense system left basically mm. you decided that you weren't going to get out of the situation and so you resort to a different tactic you're like well they're not listening to me so how can I get out of this so that's we yeah. provide the fine you know I'll just that, do it. it's not it's not fine it was... and I'm so sorry that you've been through it as yeah. well it's so common it I breaks know. my heart it is and it was just it was such a weird experience because 
afterwards I got up and left straight away and I just kind of had this feeling well if I did that afterwards I could have done that at any point during you know what I mean like it's just one of those really messy confusing yeah situations um and it was hard because talking about it the people because I was young I was like 18 the people around me didn't have the language or the understanding to be able to discuss it and they were just like what you you did say yes so therefore you know how can you say it wasn't consensual I don't know very messy very just straight off into the deep end there but (laughs) I feel like that's what it's about and normalizing that and like actually pointing out actually no that's not okay yeah and it wasn't something until afterwards. Actually, I was doing another yeah. podcast and I kind of had that moment of, no, that act- that, that was definitely not, definitely not consensual at all. So what has your experience been with sexual assault? Yes. Yeah, so for me, it actually starts at the age of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first experience of sexual assault. And for a long time, I never thought of it as sexual assault because it was just easier to say, that it didn't affect me so therefore it wasn't you know it wasn't a thing um but what happened when I was 10 was that a friend of mine pressured me into having sex with them um I was at their house and they basically were just like let's have sex and I remember this like uh, my memory's really foggy around these areas because it's like your brain's just trying to protect you and it doesn't want you to remember but I do remember the conversation being a bit like um my response being like that's what you have when you want to have babies and I'm a kid and I don't want to have a kid Mm. like (laughs) that was my understanding of sets around that I didn't see it as a pleasurable thing it wasn't something that I wanted to do and I said no I I don't want to do that and then they were like crying begging turn their back on me like guilt tripping me making me feel responsible for like how they're responding and obviously me being me I just want to fix it I just want I want them to be happy and I didn't really understand it and then so he was trying to like negotiate with me why don't we just do this instead why don't we do this why don't we do this and then I just remember like just giving in at some point and I actually don't remember exactly what happened that night like I have no idea what what extent that was but I just know that it ended with him on top of me and that I walked myself home that night and I never spoke to him like you know and didn't want to be friends with him ever again like (laughs) it's deep in my like you know but it's Mm -hmm. like because you've pushed so much of it out it's so hard for me to even like comprehend it and for a long time I like denied that it was even like an experience that I had yeah that's very heavy did you talk about it with anybody then or just keep it to yourself yeah, so I actually did tell like one adult in my life. And I think the big thing with sexual assault is that who you open up to about it is going to have a big impact on how you kind of process it. So even with you, when you talk about how you opened up to your friends and they kind of, you know, said, oh, but you said yes at the end, it didn't see it as a sexual assault. So it's like the way that you're, you get responses will impact the way that you you know process it whether that's like pushing it down denying its existence or like seeking therapy so for me talking to someone about this after the event I kind of told them an iffy idea of what had happened and the response I got was very dismissive very like boys will be boys um very like this happens all the time 
um, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I know that that was the effect that it had on me because I think that I internalized from then this idea that my body or like women's bodies are like made for male pleasure and that it is normal for a man to pressure a woman into sex. That's, mm. that's what I took from that experience. And I just never talked about it professionally again until I was like 23. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a lot. I can like only imagine how that then would impact you and kind of set the tone for how your sexual experiences would be after that. Um, and for someone to be dismissive to somebody so young is just, you know, it's so sad. Like as if that wasn't something that it like, you know, triggered something within them to, you know, have a different response unless it was just too... I know I feel like a lot of um, older people, they when they get put something, like something's put in front of them that's too much for them, mm. they just, yeah, you know, shut it out. They're like, no, I can't deal with that. Yeah, so the really um, thing I just want to add to that is that however someone responds is only going to be like at the limit of their own understanding of the issue and as well like a reflection of their own experiences. So it's like if someone's dismissive, it could be because they don't want to admit their own personal sexual trauma that they have in the past or, you know, that's something that currently is happening to them or it's just too hard for them to face and they don't like dealing with those kinds of issues. Like lots of people are dismissive in lots of other ways. So it's like, of course, if you talk about a really kind of traumatic experience, it's going to be something that's just like, we can't go there. Um, what's really cool is that I actually talked to this person again as an adult about this situation that happened to me as a child. And the um, and we kind of discovered between us that they didn't realize the how bad it was, you know, what mm -hmm. exactly I was telling them in that moment. And that they um, felt a lot, they felt really bad for not being there for me, you know, like, mm -hmm. and it was just like this misunderstanding of what sexual assault is and what I had actually experienced, you know, so it's like, I, it's, it's very likely that being a 10 year old with not the best communication, I may have hinted that I was made to do something that I didn't want to do, but I wouldn't have said, wouldn't have necessarily said, you know, he wanted to have sex with me and I said no and he pushed it, you know? Mm. Yeah, I know so exactly. Just understand what you that mean. Everyone, everyone makes, everyone's human and they just make mistakes or misunderstandings. Yeah. I think that, yeah, and I think that also points out another like issue of why we need comprehensive sex ed from a younger age mm. so you can be provided the terminology and yeah. be comfortable to speak with that because Absolutely. there would be so many children out there who would not have the words or understanding to realize yeah. and be able to communicate that and they need to mm. yeah Absolutely. so how has I guess that experience then affected your mental health growing up yeah, so it's really interesting to look back on because it all makes so much sense. Um, at the time, I didn't really know what was happening. But when I look back, I'm like, mm, it, it adds up. So I think for me, I have like a really poor memory of my childhood and kind of the things I do remember the most is like that assault. And I don't really remember much before that. And I don't remember much after it until I like went to therapy at like 23 mm -hmm. so like it feels like this big chunk of my life is like missing in a sense which is really sad and I think it's just because it's so full of sadness you know like it's so so much grief in there and so much anger um so 
after the age of 10, I remember kind of going downwards a bit, you know, like just becoming really numb, really numb, really avoidant of emotions of relationships of just like it's like a weird thing to try to describe I just feel like my personality just like withered out and intermediate mm-hmm. just and I look back now I'm like oh I wonder if that had like a part to play in it because if I think about it the way that I've processed my like because because I do have another sexual trauma at 23 the way that I processed that one experiencing that at 10 years old must have been absolutely so difficult especially when I didn't have the you know support around me that I did in the later one you know what I mean um but I think as a like a teenager because I didn't want to admit that I was a victim of sexual assault I didn't want that label of being that kid mm-hmm. that was touched when they were a kid um I overcompensated so I was very sexual as a teenager you know I was mm-hmm. always talking about sets I was always initiating sets with my boyfriends I was always pushing them to do sets like um in the way that like I wasn't I hate the word frigid but I, I can't think of a better way to understand yeah, it yeah. you know like I was you know I was just very like very sexual and very like yeah and then I think this really continued right into like my adulthood where I was just like and I look at it now and I'm like I think that's a way of me trying to like gain control because when it comes to sexual assault it's all about that sense of loss of control so mm-hmm. if I'm the one that's always initiating sets and if I'm the one that's always like demanding you know certain I don't know sexual acts or like you know if I am the one that knows exactly what's going to happen next and how this goes and how it ends and who I'm picking to have sets with then I don't feel like a victim so I think I used that tactic for a really long time um, until obviously I was like traumatized enough to like have to fully step back from sets um yeah so it's really interesting how I think sexual um, trauma can either impact people in a way that makes them become really hypersexual or they completely avoid it altogether because it's Mm. like yeah it's really interesting and I can imagine I suppose going into a hypersexual space that could also be confusing too, especially I feel like for partners as, as well, if mm. they know about any sexual trauma mm-hmm. and then being yeah. hypersexual, they must, I can imagine a lot of them would assume that you're so like, you know, fine with it all and that um, you're not having any issues, I guess, with processing that or it's still impacting your life. Did it affect your sexuality in any other ways at all? Yeah, so there's the, um, I think now's a good time to bring up that, you know, I was sexually assaulted again, or like mm-hmm. what I would call my significant. <laughs> I feel like I've unfortunately experienced a lot of really yucky sexual experiences. And I think it stems from being, you know, experiencing at 10 years old and then having really poor boundaries and expectations of what a normal sex life would look like Mm. so it's like you know if you normalize the idea that someone pressures you into sets then you're gonna be more likely to get into situations where you do things that you don't want to do because you don't know how to say no or you don't know that you can say no um so when i was um sexually assaulted the most recent time in 20 at 23 years old which was actually my ex-partner and he like it was kind of like a similar story to you in that um but I'd gone over to his house and then he was like trying to touch me and I said to him I don't want to have sex with you 
And then immediately after I said, I don't want to have sex with you, he put his hands down my pants, like just touched my vagina and like just went for it. And I just completely froze. And I remember that night just completely dissociating from my body. So that's kind of like the first time that I realized that that was a thing. Um, so after that, my sexuality, ooh, like I just don't feel safe around people anymore in that kind of space. Like I, and that's something that I still really struggle with now because it's like if someone who you are so close with can do that to you, then how can I trust anyone, whether mm. that's friend, stranger, partner? Like I don't. Um, so it affects my sexuality in that when I have sex, I have high levels of fear around it you know so I'm I'm always feeling anxious I'm always fearful and I'm trying to control the outcome I'm trying to you know do these um, tactics to keep myself safe which looks like telling people exactly how sex should be for me but it's like mm. it's such a hard kind of scale because it's like obviously you can't fully construct a scenario every time no I don't know no. I think a lot of partners struggle with that anyway <laughs> Yeah, but no, I'm like, absolutely. why can't you do it just the way I want? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that is. There's a lot, I guess, to unpack there. Um, yeah, I'm just so sorry that you've had to experience this multiple times. Mm. Like one time is horrible enough, let alone mm. having something kind of repeat itself in your life. Um, I think one thing I people just don't talk about enough in general is, I guess assault from those people that you trust the most and that you know yeah you're in a relationship because so many people um just disregard that they think that if you're in a relationship then every sexual encounter is just consensual um which obviously isn't the case did your partner at the time ever see that as sexual assault or did he just disregard it um so we actually weren't together at the time we had just broken up yeah um and I'd gone over to figure out what the fuck was happening because it was a really sudden out of the blue kind of breakup um I did message him once about it like since then kind of just being like you know at the peak of my rage when I was dealing with everything um when I realized that that wasn't okay and you know I told him like that you know it wasn't okay and he he didn't have many words I don't think he has the emotional capacity mm-hmm. to and I think he's just got his own shit um yes yeah, so we don't really have like a good conversation around that um but I have definitely called out many blokes along the way of like you know um yeah I've I've roasted many dudes <laughs> you know if they ever tr- if they ever try to like push me into things or if they ever like have sex with me in a way that's just disgusting like you know like this guy this is this is kind of going off topic but I just no, this is so like fun. right up on the top of my mind um and just remember the time that like I this was like this tinder guy and I went over to his house and then we had sex and it like lasted like literally like 30 minutes 30 not 30 minutes that's all right <laughs> 30, 30 seconds 30 seconds a minute right and then he finished like he had came and then he like um he goes where's your clothes like he was just instantly like get out of my house basically and I remember just like lying in his bed and I just felt like all of my body boil and I was like hell fucking nah like you said that to the wrong fucking woman like I'm not that I'm not that object anymore I'm not someone's 
like pleasure bots like fuck off and then so I just like ripped into him and I was like that is disgusting what you just did to me like that is disgusting like don't treat me like an object like I'm not an object I'm a person and I came over here for mutual pleasure I didn't come over here for you to get off like and use me as some kind of like masturbation tool and then send me home in such a disgusting way I'm not a prostitute (laughs) like yeah it was disgusting and the way it's like he just couldn't even look at me like the roast was good the roast was good. The roast was good. I'm glad it was good. I'm glad it was it you you hit him. <laughs> I and wish he still I had me. Oh crazy. The fucking audacity. The fucking you know what audacity. I did though? He messaged me and he's like, Hey, how are you? And I was like, Oh, have you listened to my sex education from men podcast yet? Here it is. Because <laughs> I, I talk it. like heavy, heavy about I consent. Love it. Oh my and god. And he's just I love like, that. okay. <laughs> I hope he listened to it. He probably did. He's probably very curious. I hope he did too. Yeah. I hope he did too. Yeah, literally. Fucking men. They're useless. I wish I had the balls to speak up like that. I'm a, Mm. not upset. I'm a freezer. As I like, Mm. and you had Mm -hmm. mentioned, like, I just freeze. I can't have um, scenarios now where like, say there's somebody off Tinder and they are like, let's just watch a movie or like come over and chill. Mm. I'm like, I need either can't do those situations at all anymore mm-hmm. or I have to explicitly say I'll come over but I'm not having sex with you even if I yes. think that I might I need them to think that it's not going to happen so they don't put me in a position where they just start kissing me because I just freeze I like yeah I've yeah. for some reason just lose my voice and can't speak up and I find it easier like that other scenario to just go with it than yeah to speak up even though in theory speaking up's obviously easier and most of the time they probably are going to stop at least the people that I've encountered but I just yeah lose my voice and I just do yeah. it because I know it's probably going to be over in 30 seconds two minutes yes and I just find it easier <laughs> to just yeah. get it done and over with and it just has it's left a very like just a gross feeling because yeah. I'm just let these yeah. people into like my body and me and my little bubble mm. that I didn't mm-hmm. want didn't want there um yeah. the, the freeze response is so super common and what makes me really angry is that you know in rape cases or when people talk about rape in society they have this idea that you know it wasn't rape if you didn't fight back mm-hmm. um and it's like actually no um the most common response when someone who is probably bigger than you and probably coercing you, whether that's, you know, emotionally, whether that's physically, whether that's whatever it is, whether it's your history, whatever it is that they're using, you know, to try to get you to do these things, your response is to go with it because mm. you just shut down. You, like you're having a normal response to an extreme scenario. Like no one should be put in a situation where they're, you know, being told to do this, like a sexual mm. act to someone else or no um but yeah it makes me really angry because then in rape cases they will bring up those questions of like why didn't you say no or why you know there's no scratch marks on him so it mustn't have been you know it must have been consensual because they're so fixated on like basically whether the prosecution happens is whether they can determine for sure that it was not consensual you know and there's often not enough proof to say that and they just Mm. use all these rape myths to try to defend them and i'll makes me feel sick like the thought yeah i know i know yeah. i know it's fucked up it's so fucked up and because like in all of those situations 
I don't, I mean, I hardly ever have somebody ask before they kiss me, can I kiss you? Mm. And because that's the moment afterwards when I freeze because like, they're in my bed. They know, yes. like, I, I, it's not like we're out on or in public or something and they kiss yeah. me and I know that that's going to be the extent of the situation. Yes. It's in a space where yeah. obviously sex can easily happen and, like, yeah, that's something just little that would make make a massive difference or mm. stop kissing me and then ask about going to the next, you know, the next yes. step instead of just rushing into it. Um, because I know so many people just freeze. It's just so, it just feels so much easier to just do yeah. it. Um, obviously it's not like that for everybody, but I know in my experience. it's, I think it's really worth noting here that like 90% of um, sexual assault cases are people that you already know. So mm. it's often not the stranger in the alleyway st- um, no. scenario that people have in their heads. So if you're at your partner's house or, you know, a Tinder date or a friend or whatever it is, and they're, you know, forcing you to do these things, your reaction isn't going to be to stab them. It's not going to be to punch them across, you know. No, and this to is get someone them that off you love you. or someone that you trust. Yeah, exactly, like this is someone you wouldn't exactly. think would do those things. So of course yeah. your response isn't like big fuck you. Because a lot of people aren't, you know, natural fighters. I'm not a fighter. I'm a crier. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I cry when I'm angry. I'm useless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, don't have to, I don't have to have defenses, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. taught to, like, you know, I wasn't taught any, like, defense. Like, yeah. I think it's sad that women even need it. But, like, I see heaps of things around, like, self-defense classes, which I think are really awesome. Because, obviously, if you're, you know, attacked in a park, then that would be a great thing to have. And considering how common it is, it probably is like a really good thing to have in your toolkit. Mm. So you don't feel as vulnerable maybe, but the fact that we even have to do it just makes me angry. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> fucked up. It's literally yeah. fucked up. I know. Um, I saw something, this is on topic, but a little bit random, but I just saw yeah, something yeah. today <laughs> and it was like one in, you've got like a one in four million chance of being attacked mm-hmm. by a shark. And then you've got mm-hmm. a one in six chance of being assaulted by a man. And they're like, and our fear is so validated of sharks. Mm-hmm. We are so validated to have that fear, but it's a one in four million chance. But when we have yeah. a one in six chance with men, they're like, no, yeah. that fear yeah. is not rational. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 I definitely have big troubles trusting men in like any kind of scenario and I definitely avoid like oh well I have like some male friends but like in the early kind of stages I would avoid any kind of one-on-one time with men Mm. or in the bedroom um anything like tinder was like a big absolute fuck no and I think Mm. yeah going back to that overcompensating thing of like oh if I go on a tinder date then I will initiate sets so that I can avoid a scenario where I'm made to do something I don't want to mm. yeah but no it's really interesting it's, like, it's a hard battle <laughs> yeah I it don't is know how smooth. to do like not either one so after these experiences what supported you after mm-hmm. I think for me therapy mass one therapy I don't think I would have got through it like I did if I did not seek out the professional help that I did from a very early stage um I guess um here's a good note if you're if you're in New Zealand you can do what's called an ACC sensitive claim and that's for sexual assault and you get 
like 48 free sessions, um, which is amazing because mm. you really do need that ongoing support um, and therapy can be something that's really expensive. Um, otherwise, you can go to your GP and get like what's called a um, mental health plan and that's like sit mm. sessions. Um, often workplaces have what's called EAP, which is often like sit sessions with a psychologist, so something for people to look into. And I know in Australia, um, they have what's called Headspace, which is like free counselling for everyone under 25, which I think is amazing because mm. I moved here or there. I'm in New Zealand right now, but like <laughs> I'm normally in Australia um, working. But when I moved there, I seeked out therapy again because of some stuff that was going on. And when I found out that there was Headspace and that was free, I just thought it was amazing, like such mm. an important resource. And so I just want to scream it out for everyone, even if you don't have sexual health, like sexual um sexual abuse issues that you can seek any kind of support there under 25 mm -hmm. and you absolutely should <laughs> absolutely once yeah. i mean I got, a mental, yeah, I got a mental health care plan best thing i've ever done <laughs> like mm -hmm. it was the hardest thing to do but fuck me yeah i don't know how i would yeah. be going if i hadn't have done it um yeah right it, yeah it's literally the best thing so um was therapy i guess your main support then getting through it yeah, so I had like um, professional therapy and then I also did like alternative um, kind of health things because um, the thing was trauma is so much of it is in your body. So you're mm -hmm. having like body responses rather than like, so it's like cognitively, I know that I'm not, say I'm in bed with someone new and it's like cognitively, I know that I'm not in bed with my rapist, but I, but I still feel unsafe. Like I still feel in my body that I'm not. So I really kind of looked kind of beyond the borders of what clinical psychology does. And I did a lot of like energy work. So like energy healing. And I'm not before, like before the age of 23, I was not a spiritual person at all. I would have called that absolute woo-woo. Like I would have not have understood. But it's like mm -hmm. when you get to a certain point of despair, you just look every like everywhere and your heart just opens up to the possibilities of what's out there um so I found that kind of stuff really helpful so like Reiki um and then just talking about friends what's important about friends and like because we were talking about earlier about how who you open up to and how they respond is really going to impact your processing so it's about choosing the right friends to share that journey with um so looking for people who respect you respect your boundaries that you're placing due to this thing and that you know are going to emotionally support you so it's like initially I kind of reached out to people who I wanted to be there but looking back they weren't really good choices given mm -hmm. you know say their their own um, emotional capabilities or what was going on in their life so what I really practice now in my life is when I'm struggling I reach out to people that I know like that have been consistent, that have been reliable, that have always given me a positive response that's not going to be re-traumatizing for me, that's not going to make mm -hmm. me feel like I'm crazy. Um, so, yeah, having the right people around you instead of just whoever's there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And creating Absolutely. creating those friendships if you don't already have them. Like, I had to make so many new friends while I was healing from really heavy shit. And it's like, but those friends that I made in that time and they supported me so lovingly, like just hold like a whole nother space in my heart. Like, I'm just like, oh, the way that you held me through such an ugly time will always be like 
most sheerest memory for me yeah Mm, yeah absolutely and I think going from that time of like high school into early adulthood Mm. and then having these experiences a lot of people hold on to their friends that they've grown up with who might not be the best supports so I think it's so important looking you know out for these new people Mm -hmm. who are gonna you know bring your energy up and not you know drag you down at all um and then I think it's also important as you said like getting therapy because sometimes no matter I guess who your friends are who's in your life they just don't have the capacity to support you especially from a neutral viewpoint yes um so I think like that's why therapy is so yeah just so so important if you can access it yeah, like when if your friends are like mutual friends with the person, that was just like a massive trigger for me. I'm just like, how yeah. do you think that this person's okay? And it's like for me, I wasn't at a point where I was ready to say, you know, he touched me in this way or like, but it's like he was doing so much other shit, which warranted my reaction anyway. But it's like, you know, I didn't disclose to them that I was sexually assaulted by him. But like the fact that they were still talking to him was enough for me to like just associate with them associate them with the whole traumatic experience that that was absolutely um so yeah I think really you know when people tell you this story and they say this is the person that did it it's not about like choosing sides but really asking yourself do you want to associate with a person who has done this to another human being and really just seeing the state that the person who you know is saying is making these um claims of the victim like looking at the state of them like the mental state of them and just like holding space for that and just being like fuck that other person like mm-hmm. I care about you and I can clearly see that you are the person that needs my support right now like that friendship mm-hmm. doesn't matter right now absolutely absolutely I'll never understand when people stay friends with people like that whether that's from sexual yeah. assault just being abusive in a relationship yes. and just being all around yeah. a shit person I never yeah. understand when people stick around and continue to engage with them it's just so frustrating how would you so say like I mm-hmm. am your friend and yeah. you are coming to like speak to me about this for the first time how would you want yeah. your friend to support you and respond I think the biggest one is just believing them mm-hmm. so being sure not to make any statements that imply that you don't so avoiding statements like were you drinking or why did you go there you know like I kind of received come of some of these kind of loaded statements where it's like but you went there or like what did you expect and it's like mm-hmm. wow I expected not to be violated you know like I expected to have a conversation I didn't expect to be raped yeah. you know um yeah. so just really being like wow like I don't know just holding the space and if you don't have the words then saying that being like I I hear what you're saying I believe you I'm so sorry that this happened to you um I want you to know that I'm here for you I don't really have the words or like I don't know how to say you know I don't I'm worried about saying the right things like I know a lot of people get scared about saying the wrong thing so they don't say anything which can Mm -hmm. also be perceived by the other person as dismissive so if you don't know what to say just say I don't know what to say like this is a lot um but I'm here for you and I believe you yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's really important really important I'm going to have to stop the episode right there shaggers this is going to be a two-part episode the second part we're going to start talking about how to feel safe in your body after sexual assault 
Vanessa's experience with sex and dissociating during sex after assault, tips for grounding yourself, holding shame in your body, what needs to change in society, and also issues such as the idea that if you don't report, then your experience isn't as valid, which obviously is not correct in any sense. So Vanessa and I unpack these issues and more in the next part. So please go and listen to that episode if you are interested. As always, Shaggers, please reach out with any comments, questions or stories, either through my Instagram, That's Orgasmic, or my email, emilydunkatthatsorgasmic.com. Please subscribe whatever platform you use to listen to this podcast and leave a review as I'd love to know what you're thinking. So thank you, Shaggers, and now go listen to part two. <gasps>